Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to discover more through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast will serve as a space to exchange ideas from the collective experience. Good morning, everyone. Today's episode is a little bit different from the past few weeks' episodes. We realized that Aiden and I, we have been focusing and streamlining a lot of efforts by bringing guests on to talk about their human experiences, try to uh, capture their human experiences by synthesizing their lessons, uh, their skill sets, what they picked up along the way. But we realized that our episode and our podcast is approaching our two-month mark, and we thought it is very appropriate for both of us as two co-hosts of the show to talk about and reflect upon the journey thus far, because many listeners and people who do not have a platform such as this may not aware about a lot of the logistics and the work goes behind these episodes. So we figure it would be appropriate just for us to uh, talk about our experiences so far and maybe what are the lessons, takeaways, and the journey of Discover More podcast. So Aiden, it is pretty wild to look look back and think about about two months ago, you and I, we haven't caught up in a while due to our crazy work schedules. You are, of course, working full-time as a financial analyst and helping out your grandfather with his accounting firm. And so due to that, we didn't really work out together in the morning anymore, and it's been a while. And I threw this pitch at you of starting a podcast because we both are equally articulate. We both are equally curious about just everything. And of course, it's not about being jack-of-all-trades, but just having that internal growth mindset and the internal intrinsic dire need just to learn more that thirst for knowledge right it's just that thirst for growth and now it's it is wild because it's almost two months it's been week seven with the podcast and it is crazy to see this simple idea that we had in our heads coming to full fruition this this seemingly small blueprint of an idea actually coming into full blossom reality Right, and of course, we both learn different things. We both are in charge and delegate different tasks among ourselves to help execute and deliver the best possible episodes possible for the audiences and for ourselves. So, what are uh, what are your thoughts so far? What have you felt? Uh, what have you learned? And just you know, talk about journey from your perspective. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. So it's just been a really interesting and unique journey so far because for someone like me, kind of a natural introvert hearing myself on the speaker has been an interesting journey, just kind of seeing where my tones could be different, where my questions could lead differently, or even how I'm interacting with the guests specifically. So internally, it's been a kind of personal journey, just hearing everything spoken and then heard back. But then more importantly, the guests we've had on have been remarkably interesting across the board. So we've had five guests on at this point, all of which are completely different fields, completely different sectors, and we've learned so much from each of them in such interesting ways. So I think one of the big takeaways from Alex's episode this last week was when he found cooking, he used the metaphor of the keys are in the engine, and he now sees the road to drive down. And I feel like that kind of is the experience that we're going through right now, right? When we initially came to Barcelona wine bar go and you pitched me this idea that was kind of putting the keys in the ignition and now that we're two months in we kind of see the street to drive down right so it's still early it's definitely been a process of continuous learning continuous growth but 
I'm really excited for both what we've done in the past and more importantly, what's coming in the future. What about, what about you? So it's interesting you said that. And I think we've definitely interviewed more guests than I first intended to, or even what we thought was possible. And I've been having interesting conversations with my friends and other people who have listened to the podcast. And majority of uh, the people just in my life, whether they're my friends or acquaintances or my coworkers, they have heard about this podcast because of my my relentless, shameless plug. And the thing is, because our initial idea, our initial intention behind this podcast is to discover more, right? Because as we, you and I talked about, where everyone, everyone and anyone have had profound and inter- interesting conversations with another person before in their lifetime. Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter if you're homeless, you're poor, you're heroin addicts, you're successful millionaires, whoever you are from your backgrounds, you have had profound conversations in the past. But how many times and how often are we actually be able to capture and reflect upon those conversations of those potentially profound ideas that happen uh, throughout the inter- uh, interactions of our conversations, right? And so we decided to embark on this journey to use podcasts as an audio format to capture these profound ideas that uh, do occur uh, inevitably when free exchange and free flow of ideas occur between people and among people, right? And it's kind of cool because we are not doing this because we hate our lives, we hate our jobs, we are looking for an alternative plan to become a full-time podcaster. We're not, we didn't do this because we wanted to the podcast to be monetized and to become millionaires like Jorgen Podcast or whoever other prolific podcasters out there. The interesting thing is everything is a perpetuity. And of course, it's only been two months, but I've seen so much growth of our channel, of our fan base, of our listeners. Uh, we're doing decently well without downloads for only being uh, two, two months in. And with our lack of equipment in the beginning, of course, our mic qualities are increasing because we just acquired two mics recently. Yeah, no, I think it's just been an interesting journey. And I learned a lot about editing. You, the crazy part is, so this reminds me of like a conversation I had with my CEO a while back. And it's, it's about something he said. He said, when he first became CEO, someone asked him the question of like, what do you do, right? That's a very seemingly innocent question, but it could, could be potentially offensive because we obviously know CEO is the archetype of the head of a company, of an organization. But we know he or she are, they're crucial and they're the centerpiece for the whole organization, but not many people really understand or know or aware of what CEOs do. Mm -hmm. So when he was asked that question, what do you do as a CEO, right? This could have been, yeah, this is sort of, he told me, and he said, the fact that you don't know what I'm doing means I'm doing, I'm being, I'm being successful, right? Because Mm -hmm. he, he explained CEO as like the behind the scene, the logistical piece where his job is to ensure the whole organization runs and operates smoothly mm-hmm. without faults, without errors, without like just that seamless management and operation mm-hmm. is his key role. Right. And at, by him achieving that, that means we are unaware that CEO even exists because that, that's how he is fulfilling his job and role. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And that's like similar to our point of whenever you listen to an episode on a podcast or a, or a video, right? When you don't really have to think too much or pause too much in the episode about, oh man, that's, that transactions or that, that transition was a little bit faulty, that made you think. If you can just truly be engaged in an episode, just seamlessly from the beginning to the end without having too much forethought or without thinking too much, period, 
that means the episode is very smooth, right? It's a very smooth episode. And that smooth episode, just like the role of an organization, what CEOs are doing for that organization means the editing or whatever effort we're putting into it so that that episode is seemingly and sounds just smooth, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so a lot of, I learned a lot about editing. I realized the, just the sheer hours that go into it, not even just your, your, your technology, just the sheer hours go into editing. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot about social media promoting and social media management, uh, different tactics, uh, different analytics tools, different insights, just how to tackle uh, multiple platforms, whether it's social me- media platforms or non-social media platforms at the same time. So yeah, it's just it's uh, it's been very fulfilling because you and I we obviously started this as a you know passion project. I recruited you because this was a passion project that I was very interested in, mm-hmm. and I thought you really aligned and could share many of the passions and ideas that I had about this podcast. And you came on board. And yeah, it's two months and it is, it's been a pretty crazy journey. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things as well, like we have learned a lot about a large range of topics, right? So not only the content that our guests are discussing, but also even from just a personal sense of becoming more articulate, becoming more curious. I find myself asking a lot more questions to people at work or just friends or acquaintances kind of even at the stores or wherever you're going just kind of having that or acting on that curiosity right I think it in the past it's kind of been a passive curiosity but having this opportunity to talk to guests and just be discussing these ideas at a more regular in a more regular fashion it becomes almost normalized to have these big you know, large idea conversations and that kind of trickles into every aspect of life because it's kind of rare sometimes to have conversations like this. At least I found myself in like everyday life, usually around the water cooler, you're talking about sports or the weather or what you guys are up to this weekend. But I think being able to introduce talking about ideas or things that are more than just small talk is something that has personally benefited me, but also I think has been, would benefit a large number of people just kind of asking that extra question of, you know, you find out that they're going to their kid's soccer game, one of your coworkers, for example, and then you can kind of probe into that of how long they've been playing soccer, what uh, position do they play? How's their team doing? You know, there's just like, and then even if you wanted to get into some more less detailed, more, I guess, ideas of that, like soccer as a sport or teamwork as team building, why they think sports are important in kids. Like there's so many different directions that you could move from that specific conversation that I've personally found growing week after week. Have you noticed any kind of patterns like that or ways that this conversation structure has impacted your work relationships or friend relationships or even conversations that you're having yeah absolutely that's a great question and i also felt the same way i think the point that you're alluding to is the idea of unintended versus intended benefits and consequences so when one or anyone make a decision right that decision inevitably comes with intended consequences and benefits are the ones that you thought of your forethought Right. Those are the ones that you see on the surface level. And those are the ones that you think about. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that you calculated for because there are the intended benefits and consequences mm-hmm. of a decision. But then what people or most people don't realize is that every decision of those also come with unintended benefits and consequences. 
mm-hmm. right? So the intended benefit and consequence of us doing this idea is for us to talk to as many interestingly profound people as we can to capture their experiences, to synthesize on those experiences, and to learn more, to grow more, discover more, right? Through that lens of intentionality. Those are our goal, just to learn more, just to grow, to mm-hmm. discover as much as we can. But there's so many interesting ideas out there that we have such a finite amount of time. So we create this intentional space and setting to capture those in a very effective manner. But the unintended consequences or the benefits of doing podcasts is articulation that you talked about, mm-hmm. right? For the past two months, ever since we started doing this, we have been watching and listening to many different interviewing techniques how different other prolific interviewers interview their guests. Because when you have a guest on, or when you just talk to someone on this public format, you want your voice or your sounds or your delivery of your sentences or your words to be very pleasant to just humans ears, right? And most people when they talk or communicate, they use a lot of filler words like ums and likes and yeah. Of course, towards the beginning, we had a lot of those words as well. Of yeah, course, we through through tries and errors, through editing, we got better and better at it. But it's like a spillover effect where by doing podcasts, by always leaning in on that lens of intentionality, I think it just instilled the intention uh, into us so that on our daily life, even off the show, off the podcast, our, our uh, 50, 60 hour work week where we're communicating with our families, our loved ones, our spouses, our, our friends, I think the intentionality is still, is still in us, which, like you said, it, it enables us and to ask an extra question, to probe mm-hmm. into about their experiences, their lives, right? Because when you just get caught up and only focus so much on small talk, especially surface small talk, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, there are times and places for small talk, and not everyone is ready to talk about their life goals, their mission statements, and their philosophy or their principles with you. Not everyone's like that. Mm-hmm. So you need to have both skills. But I think if you're willing and if you talk to people who are willing to go an extra mile, an extra step, having that really intentional lens has been very, very profound just on a daily level, even aside from a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, a big takeaway that I've had that I'm curious for your experience with is the idea of active listening. Um, I remember after the last interview we took, uh, it was maybe two hours of recording on set and we both looked at each other like, yo, I'm exhausted. Like what we were just sitting there having a conversation, but it's something about being that present, that active in the conversation of just, you really want to make sure you're listening to what the speakers say and then directing the conversation from there. Like, I think a big thing that we'd like to point out to a lot of our listeners is for interview prep, we do very little. Um, that was something that I had some trouble attaching to just because usually I like to prepare and make sure I know, you know, at least have some details about what we're about to do or what we're about to speak to. But we found through experience that the less prep, the better in some ways, because it really allowed the dialogue to just unfold and flow however, however, which way it would go. You know, sometimes it brought us down some tunnels that we didn't exactly expect, but I think that strategy allowed us to have the conversations unfold more naturally, which has been great. But the only way we've been able to do that is by actively listening over and over again. There's, yeah, so there's a quote I really like that's, listen to understand, not to respond, which has trickled into kind of how we go about interviewing. 
which I think has been really helpful because a lot of times you can almost see it in a lot of interviews, right? When the interviewer already has his gun on the holster of what question he's going to act next. And then the guy, the interviewee finishes his story and then a question comes out of left field that completely changes the course of the conversation. I think by not preparing any questions, not doing a ton of prep, we're able to just allow the conversation to unfold. And that's really helped me listen to other people to understand rather than just react or put my opinions into what they're saying. Have you noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to address two things that you said, right? The first thing you talked about is uh, active listening, which is, I think is one of the most underrated and slept on skill sets to have, because by truly being actively listening, you're being active with the active listening, right? You're not just passively listening and active listening means that you have to a lot of times drop what you wanted to say by being truly engaging by be hyper engaged to that conversation and so for example a lot of times when everyone when they're talking to another person right Mm -hmm. that person may sound something interesting or impressive so that you subconsciously want to uh, self-disclose or something share something that's similar to that caliber of events so if someone told you something impressive that he or she has done you're like oh shit I've done something similar or maybe I can up that experience or I want to keep this inter- a conversation interesting by sharing something that's equally interesting by keeping this conversation going, right? But when people do that, people towards the end of the conversation, when that person is about to finish, you're already generating and forming the thought that you have to want to tell that person in response. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you're neglecting and negating a lot of the important message that the person had to say towards the end of the conversation mm-hmm. because you just want to... You just want to respond. That, that's your goal. You just want to respond to that person's statement or that, that, that person's point. And the number one thing that we have to do as, as hosts on the show is that a lot of times you came up with great questions in your mind. Like, oh man, this is a perfect segue. This is a perfect transition into the next question. However, the guest will be in their uh, state of flow and they're, they're in this very fluid motion. They just keep talking and going on about experiences. So it's very valuable to not interrupt or try to interject your this perfect question that you had in your mind. Just by dropping everything, just do not respond to that uh, person or that guest's point of view. Just listen. Because by listening, then guess what? Another, even better, sometimes even better questions generate in your head than without cutting someone else off. And by truly being active in the listening process, you actually create better questions uh, towards the end because you're fully present. By doing that, you're fully, you're showing the full respect for the guest and for yourself, and that you're not scrambling with different like four different ideas in your head while still trying to retain some of the information that the guest just told you. Because like we talked about, our goal for this podcast is to discover more, is to learn more. It's not about sharing more; it's about discovering more. So I think by having that active listening as a core principle and the the skill set that we operate on, I think has really taught me a lot of lessons. And which reminds me of uh, the book I read a while back called The Third Door by Alex Banayam. But basically he talks about there's like two typical paths to success, right? Two doors, right? If you go to any nightclubs and you see a commoner's peasant line where there's like the, the line is around the block, you, you just, everyone's trying to get into this, this whatever high-end nightclub. And there's a VIP line, you pay a fuck ton of money and you get the shortcut. Boom, you're in. And Alex talks about this idea that there's extra third door that people aren't aware of. You can go around to the building, go to the back alleyway and climb the window to get into the nightclub. There's always a third door if you're willing to explore into it. 
And in the book, he he tells me his experience and his morning tea session with Larry uh, Larry King, which is arguably the best interviewer alive in in our generation. And he asked Larry King, "Hey, how can I?" Because Alex's goal was to interview the most influential people around the world by talking to them, by capturing their human experiences and synthesize into concrete, palpable skill sets and lessons, right? Which is what we're doing on audio format versus his written format. And Larry King gave his best advice for how to interview. So Alex asked, Larry King, you're obviously the best interviewer alive, period. How do you interview? How do you prep? What questions do you come with? And Larry King said, I do not come with any questions. But which is the second point you were talking about, prep work. So I don't want to give listeners the false idea that we don't do any prep work. We still, so before, let's say for our interviews are usually on Saturday or Sunday, that means the week of the interview, we invite the guests out and we usually sit down with the guests and talk, uh, sit down with them, have a meal, we just talk for a couple hours. For the last week's episode with, with Alec, you know, finding balance uh, as an executive chef with the chef Alec Lipschitz. And I, I met with him for four hours uh, the week of the interview just to talk to him, explain to him the premise, the format, ask any questions, and getting to know his level a little bit. Because I don't want to know too much about him because then I may, that might distinguish some of my natural organic curiosity, but I still want to know what he's about, who he is, you know, uh, does he have, you know, volu- values uh, to offer for the podcast for the listeners, you know? So we definitely do prep work and we definitely have a, uh, map or a direction where we go want to go with the interview or the podcast but we don't come with any questions because we don't want to set any pre-agenda because i think when you come with an agenda it is inevitable that you're you're subconsciously you're going to steer that interview or that conversation to a certain direction that you had in mind but that may not be the best direction in hindsight or for the guest's point of view you know so in that sense we definitely learned our lesson that over prepping could definitely hurt us uh, which is what we did, the early mistake we uh, did uh, a couple months ago versus now we do, of course, we do research. We are going to have direction planned in our head, but we don't come with any agenda, any questions beforehand, but rather trying to truly, truly engage in uh, trying to extract as much value from the conversation on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> while we're talking about this prep work and active listening, um, I found one lesson that really applies to this as well as to outside of, you know, recording and everything, but it's similar to how we're trying to discover more and learn more all the time, but it's silence is often the best teacher because it allows other to reveal themselves. So in a lot of our interviews, you know, instead of following that immediate follow-up question that might take away from that current train of thought, it's a little bit of silence, right? And then that silence kind of allows people to think through what they just said change their not change their opinion but allow it to unfold a little more right like that intentional silence often teaches more because you often get more out of that current thought which is you know kind of a happy balance to find right obviously in an interview you want to extract as much value from the guest as possible or allow them to get into flow state talking about something that they're excited about and really passionate about but often it's that silence that allows them to kind of think through and say oh do I have anything more to add or what else is interesting or could provide value to that specific thought so that's something that I think ties into active listening and the presence of all of it by just sitting in that silence which 
honestly, I think both of us have learned to do largely in part through meditation. Do you think that experience, I think one thing that uh, we talked about initially was September is meditation month, which you seemed to go through. Was that something that was helpful in the interview process or what was that experience like, especially when transferring into talking to guests regularly or figuring out which way you want conversations to flow? So because I am still in the early stage, so I've been meditating for about a month and a half now. And of course, September, I was extremely consistent. I meditated on a daily basis. Uh, this month had been a little bit shaky just because the reasons or the catalyst for my meditation have kind of settled down since I started meditating. So I don't find as much need to meditate anymore. But then when I started meditating again, so last week I meditated every day and I was like, wow, I forgot why I meditated in the first place because you get complacent, you know? Mm -hmm. And my, But to answer your question, I, I'm not really quite sure how meditation directly helped our interviewing or our podcast directly, but I think like your point of the silence is the best teacher, right? So that this is kind of unrelated, but maybe related low key is so this reminds me of my uh, former educator days, like years ago when I was a former educator in urban education through Teach for America. One of the biggest lessons that I learned from my mentor is so when you impose a question on this uh, in the classroom, right? Uh, so I taught math, I taught seventh and eighth graders in West Philadelphia, you know, Title IX school. I draw a graph on algebra, whatever it is on the, on the, on the board and ask a question because you wanna do a, a constantly engaging students by uh, check their learning points and stuff. And what we do often is because we teach the way we were taught, right? So a lot of times the way I taught math is the way I was taught, but everyone learns differently. Especially I come from a very privileged background versus the students I taught were from inner city, from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and statuses and upbringing. So we definitely do not learn the same way. But the thing is, we always are used to teachers asking questions and then you pick the students who raise their hands first. You're like, oh, cool. Boom. I'm going to call on uh, Jeanette because she was the first one to raise her hands because mm -hmm. you just want to do rapid fire. But that is actually the incorrect way because by you always picking on that four students who always raise their hands in every single class. I was one of those students growing up. You know, every class, there's always a handful of people who always raise their hands, no matter what the question is, right? Mm -hmm. They're always super engaged, which is awesome for you. But how about the rest of the 30 students who aren't always as extroverted or comfortable with uh, answering questions in front of everyone? So my mentor taught me, every time you ask a question, uh, do an internal uh, uh, countdown of like seven to eight seconds every time. So you ask a question, then you wait. And you will see Jeanette and those four people who raise their hands right away like they always do. And then miraculously, you will see like about four or five seconds in, the people who you never engaging the, the people you never pick on because they never raise their hands because you always were just too rash and too hasten to pick those four students they start raising their hands and they bring invaluable ideas or answers into the uh this active learning engagement setting in the classroom right mm -hmm. otherwise you wouldn't have because you always pick on the same students and in that sense silence is a bad teacher because by you actually being silent and willing to wait a little bit longer you actually create this even more fostered learning in, uh, environment for everyone Mm -hmm. for the Jeanette and those for those four students who are always uh, overly eager and for the rest of 30 students who aren't as comfortable with answering questions. And similarly, with a lot of our guests, by you forfeiting and letting your questions go prematurely and by being high, actively listening to the guests, you actually come up with better questions that we talked about 
and you actually be able to capture uh, a lot more. Like less is more in this <clears> sense, right? Like less is more. Silence is the best teacher. I think there are very. Uh, they talk about a very similar uh, principle, but no, it's uh, it's been a pretty pretty profound by having that habit and by just willing to let go of all your own thought. Yeah, most definitely. And I completely agree. Obviously, the presence and awareness has really helped with interviews, but I've almost noticed myself looking at to the other side because growing up, I've always been very engaged and kind of always questions first. Like one of my biggest strengths, I think, growing up was presence and active listening through other people generally. I'm not a huge talker, so most of conversation is you know, leading questions that kind of allow the conversation to unfold. But with having a, you know, recorded podcast, I'm noticing kind of to take a step out of presence in some ways and look at it more as like a self-awareness or strategic, especially when we're trying to create value in a conversation. So I could go down rabbit holes of even like what someone ate for lunch and why that's what they choose to eat for lunch. Like I'm just habitually curious about a lot of things that might not actually matter so sometimes I'd find myself down rabbit holes like even on first dates or something I could be asking tens questions about something that's relatively insignificant but then it's I've found myself trying to take a step back and kind of remove myself from that presence and saying hey is this actually something that I want to be spending this time talking about or going down this many questions about this specific topic, like it's a uh, opportunity cost, right? Like if you're talking about topic A, you're not talking about B through Z, which are equally, if not more so interesting or valuable topics. So I guess that might be something that's kind of specific to me just because I like asking questions and learning from other people that sometimes I'll find myself a half hour into a conversation about the weather or like a Philadelphia sports team or something like that, which sure is great to talk about, especially if other people are particularly interested in those things. But then sometimes I'm trying to make a habit out of every, you know, 10 or 15 minutes zooming out, looking around and saying, I guess that kind of boils down to a self-awareness thing. It's like, all right, do we want to be talking about this specific idea or this specific topic for that amount of time? So it's definitely kind of a happy balance between active presence, active listening as well as taking that step back, having the self-awareness and having, I guess, the strategic thinking of the conversation to make sure it delivers value both for ourselves as well as our listeners. No, that is a, no, that's a great point. I think that applies to both podcasts and for daily conversations. So it's always about, of course, there's X, Y, and Z things, right? Topics that you're inherently interested in and you want to learn more about. Like I'm a huge foodie. I could go out to rabbit hole for days and talk about anything that's food related. Oh, why did you put that seasoning? Why not this? Why'd you cook it like that? Why'd you saute like that? Why not more salt? Why not, you know? Mm-hmm. And that interests the fuck out of me. So I could talk, I could riff on that for hours. But of course, being intentional about it, by probing, but that interests me. So the input for me, about the amount of hours or, or minutes and questions I put into it and the output of what that person tells me are aligned in terms of the effort wise and the outcome but what if that person isn't a big foodie like myself and doesn't give a fuck about the seasoning the saute Mm -hmm. and the techniques right then the input of me putting all that effort is not going to match the output of that person on top of that that person's gonna be pissed because i'm just asking about all these questions where he's someone i was like i don't want to talk about this anymore (laughs) can we talk about sports instead yeah 
So how do you balance between your inheritance and curiosity and that person's um, that person's enjoyment and that person's experience? Because like you said, opportunity cost is always constant. And the time always comes with this uh, constant trade-off, always. When, you're, when we're doing this, we, we're giving up our self-care time. We're giving up time to watch Netflix or hang out with other friends, talking to families. When you go on a date with someone, you gave up you gave up the opportunity cost of going on a date with a different person or just having a casual dinner with your friends. There's always this opportunity cost attached to any time commitment. So you do really want to be mindful of the time and the conversation that's taking place and the rabbit holes you're choosing to embark on with that person. Because what if that person doesn't want to go on that rabbit hole? It's, it's, it's extremely rude for you to make that decision for both of you mm-hmm. or for whoever in that uh, conversation is taking place. So yeah, no, I think it's a very tricky balance and where the balance lies varies, of course, from pers- person to person. But I think, like you said, as long as you operate or on the principle of self-awareness and by just being a cognizant and being mindful about the other person's reaction, the vibe, because that, that's social intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. Are you socially acute enough to recognize where that person is going? Is that person being uh, perceptive of the conversations? Does that person's interest still remains after you've been yapping that person's ears off for the past 20 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think uh, it's about being self-aware but about and being mindful and aware of the other people around you. So um, social intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. And this kind of shines a light on the conversation we had with Nick from Wall Street, you know, a couple of weekends ago, kind of. Obviously, it's important to put your authenticity, your personality into all the conversations you're having, but it's equally as important to make sure that that's an appropriate way of acting in a specific circumstance. Like he on Wall Street had to kind of monitor his, I guess, actions or topics of conversation a little bit more than he would at a normal corporate nine to five. So I think that kind of specific example that might be very micro and specific kind of is a holistic lesson that a lot of people can take away is obviously it's important to be your 100% self be as authentic and speak your truth and all of that kind of stuff but also you just want to make sure that there's at least some kind of reception or a reciprocation on the other's part at least if it's you know resonating with that person if they are seeing and hearing you in the messages that you're delivering so like anything it's kind of a delicate balance between being 100% you but also making sure that there's that opposite side bouncing back which I think is a big reason why this podcast has worked so well for us is because even when we would hang out at the gym we'd end up talking about ideas like that that was just kind of who we both specifically were and then that kind of comes in to the alignment of the podcast right like a lot of our podcast guests we've intentionally sought out people who have similar I guess mindsets or similar ideas who like talking about something more than the weather right so I think it's obviously comes down to personal choice we can control what we're putting out there but also the only things that's going to balance is when there's an alignment of what we're putting out and what other people are what other people are looking for as well yeah and yeah, like what, you know, Nick from Wall Street, he talked about how he had to regulate some of his behaviors, just not to offend too many people because some of his peers were a little bit more reserved socially, uh, whether that's a strategic choice or not, that's up to them, right? But of course, like, how do you truly follow your truth? And how do you truly 
become this or present this version of your unapologetic self. Like, how are you holistically 100% you as Aiden, uh, myself as Manoa, right? Without potentially offending someone, without potentially uh, burning some bridges and, you know, whatever other consequences there may be. And yeah, like, you know, of course, Nick, he had to regulate uh, his behaviors to suit his own need in that very aggressive, uh, a toxic Wall Street workplace. And for us on a day-to-day, how, how do we regulate that? And I think you talked about this point a while back, and I've known this, is a lot of times only care about intent, but there's other side of its impact. It's the idea of intent versus impact, right? Because by you being wholesome in yourself, by you being unapologetic yourself 100%, your intent is to truly create this deep relationship with another person. By Because when you're truly being yourself 100%, you're always risking that uh, possibility of offending someone. So you're definitely going to not create some relationships or maybe in some cases, in many cases, you may be able to deepen relationship because you're behind yourself. That's the intent. Intent is always be yourself truly or wholesomely yourself to uh, make that connection. But the impact is by you being wholesome yourself, you might create a lot of dislikes. A lot of people might think you're over the top. People think you could be putting up this theatrical performance, this, this persona of who you are as a person. Because you know you're being wholesome in yourself, but the other person doesn't. Because context cr- context creates content. And without being contextual about someone, it's very easy for us to create that uh, judgment. And a lot of times, those judgments are misjudgments, right? Those are assumptions, presumptions, and you're simply seeing a tip of an iceberg of a person. So, yeah, I think intent versus impact is very important. Is how are you intentionally being yourself while being cognizant about the impact that you're making on another person's perception of you? So... Yeah, I've, I've, and I still struggle with that because I'm very type A personality, as you know. I'm very over the top to a lot of people. I'm very loud, extroverted. And I, I'm, I'm a very conversationist, right? I could talk to anyone. And sometimes I would just strike up a conversation with a waitress. She's just being friendly, and I'm just being friendly, uh, gregarious, or whatever, just being conversationist. But that waitress could be... Actually, that waitress is most times are fucking busy. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. trying to do her job. And here's... I am a one customer that she's serving... They're trying to strike up conversations with her. So my intent is being gregariously myself, which is who I am as a person, about mm-hmm. being friendly. But the impact is now I've just created this conveniences, inconveniences for the waitresses because now she has to cater to my questions and cater to my quote-unquote friendliness while she could be attending other people's needs. So, But at the same time, so I'm very politically aware and cognizant because of the social sector I work in and because, of course, I work with the government and all that. And I've always been very politically aware. However, I'm very personally anti-PC because I think by having that PC culture, political correctness culture, you're creating this arbitrary or sometimes political constraints on people's, what they want to say on their ideas. And Jordan B. Peterson talked about this in multiple interviews and in his book, 12 Rules for Life, where he says you have to risk the chance of offending someone if you truly want to say something profound. Because to offend someone, that means you, you've brought up this new idea that maybe he or she disagrees with or that he or she was unaware of. And new ideas and people are always afraid of unknown. And because, they're, because those ideas, uh, although profound, but could be perceived as offensive because they're, they're unknown and people fear unknown. And so how do you balance that between trying to, with the intent versus impact? Because if you cater too much towards only impactness, then I think that's going to taint and hinder your intention in the beginning. So that is a, I think it's a lifelong journey and I'm still trying to work my way around how to find that balance. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I think a big thing there is any new idea would probably clash with their existing belief system. And anything that, you know, is in direct or indirect opposition to what you currently believe, who you currently are, kind of what you wrap your identity into is obviously going to cause some adversity. So it's important to kind of acknowledge that when introducing new ideas like the intention versus impact thing is something that's really important to stress because I think obviously in an intention of doing no harm, right? So even if you go into every interaction intending to do no harm, kind of do as much good for the other person, there's still the impact, which like you can't exactly monitor. So I guess not similar to how you're very type A, I'm kind of way more reserved, which often is taken as aloof, right? So when I'm at work, I kind of like to put my headphones in, do my thing. I'm not bothering anyone. No one's bothering me. But I know a lot of times, especially in team dynamics, that comes off as aloof or to myself or self-absorbed, which is something that I'm definitely trying to work on, kind of making sure that I'm talking to and interacting with almost anyone and everyone and not really forcing myself out of that introverted nature. So although my intention is completely good, intention is getting my work done, making sure I'm not bothering anyone, I know that the impact is going a lot further than that and kind of having you know, consequences that I might not necessarily be seeing and making sure that I'm monitoring them. And that's still a struggle that I keep working on, but it's, I think, a really clear or important distinction to kind of solidify down because almost anything can be distilled down into that intention versus impact, right? What you're trying to put out into the world and then what the world is kind of seeing or absorbing from you. So I think that balance is something that a lot of listeners should kind of try and think about in their everyday decisions, whether it's something as small as how they operate at work or as big as how they're going out um, and interacting with the world. So that's something that really resonates with me because I'm personally working on it a lot as well. And of course, and I just want to um, preface the point that we talked about a little bit before. I don't want to give anyone the false idea that we are willing to offend people just to get our points across and we're willing to offend people just for the sake of intentionality and just for the sake of generating or relaying our profound ideas. That is not the case, right? Because it's like intent versus impact in a way similar to controllable versus uncontrollable. You can control your intent because that's it's, it originated from you, right? An uncontrollable variable, in this case, impact, you cannot control impact ever. You can never control impact. You can have the best and the greatest, most benign intention and someone could perceive that as the most hostile and offensive uh, impact. So, and that's like the balance. And of course, so we're saying that we're not here to be abrasive and trying to offend as many people as we can. We're just saying the idea of, you know, you can control intent and of course, uh, control intent at the same time while being cognizant of the impact. I think that's like the best way uh, forward uh, for both communicators and the uh, perceptors of uh, the communication is trying to give out. Yeah, and I think kind of your point that you just made kind of begs the question, what do you see as the intention of Discover More? So we can only control the intention that we put out of this podcast, but what do you see as your intention? Obviously, grow more, learn more, discover more, but I don't know if you want to call it intentions or values or what things do you think you want to make sure the listeners know that we're putting out as our intentions? 
Yeah, so I think our intention first started off as very small, I suppose, and very, in a way, very selfish because I wanted to start this podcast as the passion project. A, is to fulfill a passion, do something, you know, I love my job. My job is hyper fulfilling and impactful, but I wanted something to do for myself, you know, and that's why I wanted to start this. And I recruited you because you were able to fulfill that role of a co-host and execute it very well by having a lot of alignment and a lot of interest. So the first intention, the first purest intention was to simply learn more and to extract and capture as many ideas from different people's experiences, whether that was among us or from other different guests, right? But I think as our show is evolving and progressing, what I realized is a lot of times what I find myself, which is my intent versus impact, my intent of my input of what I want to learn because of my inheriting curiosity doesn't always match maybe what other people find useful or helpful or impactful. That mm-hmm. is the output. So it's not that I'm constantly, well, it's not that I've derailed from my original intention with this podcast, but it's more about I'm being more cognizant about, okay, some questions I find inherently interesting, I want to learn more about, but maybe that doesn't necessarily provide value for the end consumers or for the listeners out there. So I'm always, I'm still working on that balance out. So a lot of times I ask questions to extract as much value from the guest, which is my intent of learning more, discovering more, being more through intentional dialogues, you know, more about life, more about the experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And then lately, I also, um, you know, ask questions that I, of course, find myself interesting in, but also I think that could provide value for the other people that are coming in because we are doing it in perpetuity. We're not doing this to be monetized or be famous or whatever, but as long as because it is a public format and it is a public platform, why not extract values and uh, synthesize all those lessons for everyone to listen? Because yeah. podcast gave us the voice, literally, because everyone has a voice and a lot of those voices can always be heard. And we have this opportunity that we started two months ago and we are gaining traction with all the listeners and downloads that we've been getting uh, from all around the world, which is kind of cool, is that we have this public voice now. As little as our voices are compared to a lot of other prolific platforms out there, we're still providing voice, right? And as long as the people are willing to listen, we need to cater towards our needs of uh, whatever their curiosities are to fulfill their curiosity, not just our curiosities, because everyone has different needs. Everyone uh, finds interest in different things. So, yeah. So I think that intention originally started from, that was a very long way of answering your simple question, but our original intention was to fulfill our curiosities. But I think now it's evolved to uh, fulfill everyone's curiosities. Uh, because I think, um, why not, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's almost looking at our internal micro, whether that's curiosities, struggles, and then kind of expanding them into the macro of what everyone else might need. Because as two, you know, mid 20 year old people, we think, or I personally feel like we're in a interesting time, both from our age group as well as the global climate so kind of looking inward to seeing what we're struggling with what our experiences are kind of go past what our experiences are into what other people might be dealing with so our intention is by looking at our micro experiences hopefully contributing to the greater good in some way on a macro and i think a big thing that i want to point out as being a kind of large intention of this whole podcast is kind of just a commitment to truth and acknowledging that truth could be ever-changing, right? So one of my kind of pet peeves with this whole political correctness thing is people are drumming up, 
something that ha- was said eight years ago, right? I think Obama back in 2008 voted to be like anti-gay legislation, right? And then obviously by 2012, 2016, completely pivoted that idea just because the cult, the landscape and his person, like his identity changed around those, obviously it completely flipped into a new, a new idea. So I want to point out that switching your thoughts over even the course of two months isn't going against what you previously were. It just means that you're growing and expanding and learning new things, which as we're interviewing new people every week is kind of inevitable, right? So I almost hope that I'm listening two years from now and saying, oh, like he didn't know what he was talking about. or I can't believe he thought this thing. Like it's not something to be ashamed of now, but rather grateful for because that means that we're growing in perpetuity and this podcast is allowing us a space to do that. That I love that you've talked about that because I think about that every time, the sensitivity culture that we currently reside in, right? And I don't want to talk too much about politics because, you know, politics is a very sensitive topic uh, for everyone. But uh, I do want to talk about the point that you alluded to, which I, which I absolutely love you brought it up, is like you said, like people forget in this very weird polarized political uh, dynamic that we have now, People forget that people change their ideas, change their opinions, change their minds. Like, how is it possible for, like, Kevin Hart? Mm-hmm. He lost his obviously hosting position for Oscars because of the tweet that the homophobic uh, tweet that he tweeted out like years and years ago. Was it more than a decade ago? Yeah. Right. And of course, when you look back on it, you should have been like, "Fuck! Why did I say that? That was such ignorant of me." And, you know, like, that's what ignorance is. Like, you were ignorant, and then through exposure and context, you grow out of your ignorance. Unless you're willfully ignorant, then you're helpless because you're not willing to change. But if you embed the virtues of humility and empathy and you're willing to learn, then you will grow out of ignorance and you will evolve and get better. But that means, you're like you say, the truth are changing. Because we're not talking about universal truth here. We're talking about your subjective personal truth, right? And that changes. What I thought was true 10 years ago is completely different from what I think is truth now. That's how literally how science works. A scientific law is a law until it's been disproven. So science is ever changing. Their truth is ever changing. Like we proved Albert Einstein wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and what he thought and what he said, everybody thought was a universal truth for the past hundred years until we realized, oh, they weren't. And but now we are in this very weird, sensitive uh, space where people are just going to judge and attack you for something you said 10, 20 years ago, even though you're more Im- immature back then. You didn't have the knowledge you have now. And what, what should happen is, oh, you talked about that. Why do we talk about that? Can we debunk or some of the uh, ignorance or stigma that came up from that, uh, that idea, that tweet you talked about? You know, Let's uh, address and talk about some of the blind spots that we could have because everybody has blind spots. But if you just quick, go straight from attack mode, you're not really giving that silence period of time to address those needs. You know, And you're, you're labeling all these people with all these titles by oh he's a bigot he's a rapist he's he's racist he's a nazi without truly giving context to it because you are creating all these contents without being contextual about who those people actually are and what those represents can i chime in there real quick yeah of course yeah so one thing that i really want to point out or i guess mention that i just listened to and heard about recently it's something called the work by byron katie so in any situation so what you were alluding to is people's judgment kind of crippling both sides of the relationship often that a judgment will not be you know on any grounds that are 
kind of valid at all, but just people's judgment, whatever they may be, kind of come and interfere or at least interject themselves into the idea. So the whole idea of the work, it's a four-step process that I really encourage everyone to go check out. But the fourth question is whatever judgment you're having. So say this guy cuts you off in traffic and your judgment is he's impatient and an asshole. Then you look at that judgment and think of as many different ways as possible to reverse that judgment. So how could you say that that guy is a really nice guy and a very patient person? Maybe he's going to drive his wife to the hospital to get like an emergency done or is it pregnant or something like that? Like trying to just basically dispel your judgment and kind of think outside the box that you're currently existing in or judging through which really opens up your mind to what judgments are really doing and how crippling they're being because it is just your personal experience that's going into that judgment but kind of reverse engineering that judgment into something that might be more beneficial so i just thought that that's something that really resonates with what you were saying and you know it's kind of a tangible thing that is a question you can always ask in any situation or any judgment it's it's funny you said that i actually listened about that recently too so Mm -hmm. The, the question is, everyone always makes this judgment, right? Like you said, when someone cuts me off, your initial judgment is, he's an asshole. And the first question is, you, you ask, is it true? Right? You ask about the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the opposite of, is he an asshole? He's a nice person. And you ask yourself, is it true that he's an asshole? Right? You're, you're, you're thinking about thinking, right? That's, what, uh, that's how Jordan B. Peterson uh, defines critical thinking, mm-hmm. is you're being critical about your thinking. Because people aren't always thinking actively. You're just passively thinking, which is you know where meditation comes into play to create that gap. Mm-hmm. And so by to truly critical thing is to think about your, th- your thoughts. You're thinking about thinking. And that um, Brian's exercise, the four-step question is, when you make that judgment, you ask yourself, is it absolutely true mm-hmm. what you just said? Like, do you know anything about that person that just cut you off? What if his wife is in labor? Mm-hmm. I think uh, the podcast I was listening to talk about that. Mm-hmm. What if that person's wife is in labor and he or she who cut you off has absolutely cut you off to make it to their wife's labor, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's about addressing constantly about your, your judgments. So it's a great exercise. I haven't done it yet, uh, but I heard it's very thought-provoking and I love that you brought it up for audiences who are interested in uh, just uh, look it up. So I know a lot of people dislike the idea of being jack-of-all-fruit or... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of people are against the idea of being jack of all trade. And because, like, of course, everyone has this very finite amount of resources and talents. And you have to be optimally allocate your time very intentionally to truly achieve something great, right? That's like the whole notion of being niche. That's how all the experts are being niches. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I think in a way, I think a part of me want this podcast kind of enable us to be the jack of all trades. Because if you look at uh, two most prolific uh, late night shows hosts, right? Tonight's show with Jim and Fallon and the Late Late Show with James Corden. Both of them are, they're the jack of all trades. They could sing, they could do impressions, and they could play instruments. They could do it all. They literally do it all and they could act. And because of their uh, nature or natural abilities to embody or to become this jack of all trades, they could have so many different audiences and they could relate with hip hop artists, with uh, different hosts and actors and movies and you know mm-hmm. they have this ability to engage in conversations with everyone because the fact that they're jack of all trades and i'm not saying that our intention with this is to become jack of all trades but i love to as long as we have that intrinsic uh, thirst for knowledge just to learn more to grow more because you and i we are both life uh, lifelong learners i just want to learn as much as i can about everything 
I want to know about beekeeping. That's why I listen to Freakonomics <laughs> and this podcast mm-hmm. called The Stuff You Should Know. I want to learn about ocean. I want to learn about politics. I want to learn about economics. I want to learn about history. Why not? And as long as it's not overwhelming myself, as long as I'm dealing within the threshold of my ability, I want to engage in as many profound, converse, uh, interesting conversations as I can with an array of guests that are from all walks of life. That's why we've had guests from former Wall Street. We've had guests from a real estate investor who's going to retire very, very at a young age. We interviewed executive chef from a very prestigious corporate restaurant in the city, you know? And that's why we are not creating these arbitrary confinements and constraints among ourselves to who we want to interview because we want to learn. And as long as there's people out there with from different backgrounds and different experiences from who we are, which is everyone else except us because everyone's unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this channel can grow continuously uh, in a, I don't know what direction because like you said the truth is always universal truth is universal truth where subjective truth is always changing uh, and as long as uh, we are growing that means our channel is going to go uh, grow with us as long as it's in line with our principles and our beliefs so it would be interesting and I'm very excited to see uh, where this channel goes from now and we should do a check-in uh, like this again maybe two months farther into now, like so our fourth or fifth month to see how our channel has differed, how we has grown and how our intention versus the impact has changed. 100% man, can't agree anymore. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Follow us on Instagram at Discover More Podcast. And please share this with your friends and everyone that you know. Thanks for listening to another episode of Discover More, where we intend to discover more life through intentional dialogues. And we truly appreciate everyone who have made it until the end. Till next month.